Write us an email, but it's, ooh, it's beer o'clock for Seth. <laughs> <laughs>
But I chose this one because it's funny, and I, I've loved it ever since it came out. Like I said, it's a song about playing guitar, being the road to success in many different areas of life. Because, as as he says in the song, all women around the world want a phony rock star who plays guitar. <laughs> At least he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> this came out on Uh Huh, great name for an album, in 1983. And this was the first album that John Mellencamp, who started out his career as John Cougar, this is the first album where he used his real name, although he kept the Cougar in the middle. For a while, yeah. For Well, he kept the Cougar in the middle for this record and for the next record, which was 1985's Scarecrow. And then he dropped it on 1987's Lonesome Jubilee. Oddly enough, this song started out as something that was written by John Mellencamp's hairdresser. <laughs> A guy named Dan Ross, who was also a musician in another band from Indiana. And Mellencamp took what this guy had started with and made it into this song. So, nice. great, funny song about being a guitar player. There are lots of other songs that describe being a musician better, but I had to put it on the list just because I like it so much. Great stuff. Yeah, by the way, this is by no means a comprehensive list. And Not I think, even close. I think we're going to be depending on a lot of you listeners to help us fill out some more suggestions in the feedback uh, yeah. segments that we do. You can email us at podcast at rock-u.fr and tell us what your ideas are. And then we'll get a really good, maybe we'll get a really big playlist going and we'll put it out there for you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, what's your number four? My number four is a song that's on this list mostly because I like it so much, and it's Brian Wilson by Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, yeah. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. It's about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine He's that. a musician. Yeah. And it's about it's more about his struggles as a creative but not completely well-adjusted person. Yeah. Um, Brian Wilson's a great example of our, our archetype of the torture genius. He went through a lot of problems, but he was also innovative and creative in ways that other people could only dream to be. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful song, but it's also kind of a cool story because they played it for Brian Wilson, and he was very touched and he started covering the song and then he came into the studio years later and played his cover for Bare Naked Ladies and they were just floored that nice. Brian Wilson could think so highly of them that, that he covered their song about him. When the person you write the song about covers it back to you, that's great. Yeah. The song, you should go listen to the lyrics, it's a little bit about the difficult balance between an obsession that drives you and a crippling depression, which I'm yeah. guessing is an accurate description of Brian Wilson's life. Spent whole days in bed, couldn't get out of bed, but then he couldn't stop working when he was working and a yeah. very very interesting guy i think there's a biopic about him but i haven't seen it yeah i haven't like. seen that movie either but i've i've heard good things about it what's your number four okay so my number four is a song about working in the music industry and dealing with the soulless crippling deal of working with record companies and i was thinking about this subject and we'd already talked about it when we did Have a Cigar mm -hmm. in a previous episode. But I had to go with Working for MCA by Leonard Skinnerd. Now, I could almost do a top five of songs about bands and musicians just using Skinnerd songs. <laughs> My buddy Jason's going to be mad that I didn't pick the ballad of Curtis Lowe. Hmm. And you could also go with Don't Ask Me No Questions, which is a song about coming off the road hmm. and wanting to not deal with anything about music at all. But this one is, it's working for MCA. It's on Second Helping. It came out in 1974. It's a great song about being a hard-working band that finally gets signed, but Skinner wants to keep an eye on their money 
which in the 1970s in the music business was definitely a necessity. Very reasonable concern. Yeah. yeah. To give you an idea of what it was like in the 70s, the figure they mentioned in the song is $9,000. <laughs> which evidently was a big amount of money back then. Ronnie Van Zant's lead vocals are rough around the edges, kind of like the band itself, kind of like the man himself. If you've learned anything about Leonard Skinner, you know they came from a rough and tumble background in northern Florida. And some of them went to high school with some of the Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're from the same area. Oh, and the Eagles, too. Really? Bernie Bernie Ledden, I think, was an original Eagle member. I'm pretty sure he went to that high school, too. Oh, Gainesville, something like that. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. That'll be a future take two. So the triple guitar attack of Gary Rossington, Alan Collins, and Ed King lays down a really good foundation for this song, but the keyboard solo by Billy Powell is where this track really shines. Great song, a rocker that I've always loved listening to about the music business and being a band and dealing with your record label. That's my number four. Cool. Was it my turn to do number three? Is that what we're on? I think so. Okay, so my number three song is a song that I hadn't heard until just a few months ago, and I hadn't heard of the band. It's called Chevrolet Van. The band is called The Nude Party, N-U-D-E, The Nude Party. Nice. And it's got, (laughs) musically, it's very similar to Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger, which is one we could have probably talked about. But it's told from the point of view of a young narrator who's getting all this advice from older people in his life, you know, his banker, his uncle, like all these people who are telling him to basically give up being in a band it might be fun now, but you can't make any money. No one wants to hear what you say. And, you know, driving around in a Chevrolet, driving up and down in the freeway in a Chevrolet van is fun when you're in your 20s. But it's just a really fun song. It grooves really well. It's fun to listen to. It's fun to sing along to. One thing that's cool is there's a nice music video for it where you see the band performing but then you see older people playing their instruments on stage, and the older people are actually the parents of the band members. Oh, nice. So they're obviously very That's supportive. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this band is well-known. I don't really know where I, where I found out them. about them. Yeah. I've never heard of them But before. yeah, check it out. Chevrolet Van gonna, by, the nude, by the Nude Party. Really fun song, really great tune. Chevrolet Van. That's awesome. What's your number three? Okay, so... Are we up to number two for you? I lost track. Number three. I'm on number three. Okay. My number three is... And I'm just realizing we didn't do What Are You Wearing? You're right. You want to just jump that, jump in with that right now? Sure. Why, why not? not? Why not? Hey, listen, it's podcast. You know, there's no FCC regulations here. We, we're not we bound don't by follow commercial sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody's telling us what to do. This is rock and roll. So, dude, what are you wearing today? I'm wearing my Eric Clapton shirt. Nice. Uh, I'll see why maybe in a little bit. And uh, it's an interesting shirt because, like Mark Knopfler, Eric Clapton is a famed Stratocaster player. He is. But for some reason, this shirt has a Les Paul on it. And yeah, he does, it does. He did start playing a Les Paul. He played a Les Paul in Cream. And yeah. uh, it, I don't. he switched over to a Strat at some point, maybe Derek and the Dominoes or maybe after. At some point, that. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm wearing my Eric Clapton shirt. You'll see why soon enough. I'm actually doing a double dip because I'm wearing my Judas Priest Screaming for Vengeance t-shirt again. again. But again, I'm going to be referencing a song that is not on Screaming for Vengeance. All right. And it's my number three, which is a good segue. Yeah. Yeah, now I get it. Well done there, Seth. So I'm going with Johnny B. Good, which was written by Chuck Berry and first recorded by Chuck Berry. But I'm going with the Judas Priest version on the on the Ram It Down record that came out in nineteen eighty eight. This is a cover of the nineteen fifty eight classic. 
and it kind of turns it into a metal anthem. And while the band does give writing credit to Chuck Berry, because they wouldn't have this song without it, the only thing that's the same is the lyrics. The music is totally different. And like we've talked about before, especially on our covers episode, you and I both think that the best covers are the ones that take it, make it totally new. Totally. It's still the same song. You still kind of recognize it. It's a completely reimagined cover. This song was recorded to go on the soundtrack of a really bad 1988 Anthony Michael Hall movie called Johnny B. B.E. Oh boy. Good. The song was on the movie soundtrack as well as the Ram It Down record by Judas Priest. The guitars by K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton are awesome as usual. But the best part of the song is Rob Halford on the vocals. The way he sings that song, it's just amazing. The music is awesome. It's hard to top Chuck Berry's version but I think Judas Priest might have actually done it. It is great. All right, so you're, you're My number at, two. You're number two. Okay, this one's pretty obvious, and I'm sorry for being so obvious, but you know you can't deny greatness. <laughs> My number two song is "Piano Man" by Billy Joel. It, that is an amazing which, song. It cannot be denied. It's the it's it's a literal description. It is a a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's poetry, man. No, I no, mean, no, but, just, no, but there's a word I'm looking for. A, a, a chronicle. Thank a you. Chronicle. It's a chronicle of Billy Joel's night playing piano in a nightclub and dealing with the interactions with all the members of this nightclub or bar, all the all the regulars and the people coming in. It's quite literal. He did play many, many, many times. In in, you know nightclubs and bars yeah. when he was a younger guy and it's got everything it's got the it's and got the, the micro- interaction with the audience the microphone <laughs> the, smells like a beer it's got the yeah. it, it's got the you know what it's like to be a musician and when you feel good when people like what you're doing and when you don't feel maybe you don't feel so great when they don't like what you're doing and and what you mean to them and what they mean to you uh, as a yeah. performing musician i know it's on the nose but Piano Man by Billy Joel. You can't do better than that. It's a great song. And it's seriously chronicling the life of a musician. I mean, that's that's really good. Speaking of experiences of musicians, my number two is Turn the Page by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. On my honorable mentions. There's the studio version, but I think the best version is the one that's on Live The Bullet. live version. Yeah, from yeah. 1976. The saxophone starts this melancholy song, and the sax part is played by the founding Silver Bullet saxophonist who has the perfect name for a saxophonist, Alto Reed. No. You cannot get better than that for no, a saxophone that's a, player. No, that's a, that's a pseudonym. That's, no, that's, that's the guy's actual name. In order to get that really mournful sound, the band's road manager was a guy named Tom Wexler. He looked at Alto and he said, think about it like this. You're in New York City on the Bowery. It's 3 a.m. You're under a street lamp. There's a light mist coming down. You're all by yourself. Now show me what that sounds like. And then he played that nice. haunting intro, nice. which is amazing. The only thing that's better in the song than that intro is Seeger's vocal, which just mm. takes you on the road with him. So Seeger said of this song, he said, that song captured something. I wrote Turn the Page in 1971. It was the eighth or ninth year of that 10-year period when I was going nowhere fast. We'd been harassed at a truck stop in Wisconsin at 2 in the morning by some salesmen who kept calling us girls because we all had long hair. So we left because we didn't want to get into a fight and become some police report. I was thinking about how these people hate you because of the way you look and how unreasonable that is. 
And that became a part of it. But the bigger thing, I think, was the real weariness of the road. And I tried to capture that. I think I captured it for truck drivers. I think I captured it for traveling businessmen. And I think I captured it for people who have to travel a lot and just plain miss home or family or both. Great, great song. Metallica covered it. And (laughs) Seeger said he loved their version. I think it's on Garage Inc. Turn the Page by Bob Seeger. It's on my honorable mentions, and I, there's a lot of structural similarities between Wanted, Dead, or Alive and Turn the Page, and I'm sure Bon Jovi was thinking of it. Bon Jovi they, was influenced by no this question. song. Do you know that for sure? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. yeah, was in part of my research. I, I saw that Wanted, Dead, or Alive, yeah. they really said, yeah, Turn yeah. the Page influenced that song I wonder a if lot. it's in the same key. I wonder if you could... We mash them up and you know back to back and see how they go. I don't know. That would be a, that would be a fun thing to try and, and put together. All right, all right. What is at the top of your list? My number one song is at the number one spot. More because of how great a song it is and how much I love it than about any particular poetry in the lyrics or any genius in the music. But it is a fantastic song. It's "Play That Funky Music" by Wild Cherry. Nice. And it is again a very literal song. It, it describes. Totally it describes. I didn't know until I looked it up. It, Wild Cherry was actually a cover band. They weren't even an originals band. Yeah. They were a cover band trying to make a buck in the '70s when everyone was turning to disco and people wanted to hear disco. And it describes the experience of the the singer. I think essentially being won over by the funky disco beat and uh, <laughs> convincing his rock and roll brethren to come along and play this more funky music. But it was inspired by a, by a, a very literal situation where they were playing in a nightclub, yeah. and people just weren't into it. The house manager said, when are you going to play some of that funky music, white boy? And there's yeah. the song. It's, uh, it's such a fun song to listen to, to play, to uh, in every way. It's full of joy. It's got great horn licks. It's got a great guitar solo. Am I mistaken or doesn't it start out as kind of a rock song and then it no. transforms a little bit no not at all okay yeah maybe i'm thinking it's of something funk from else. funk from 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 start to finish and the riff pretty much goes through the whole song all right so at number one for me there's so many songs about guys who play guitar so many songs <laughs> but being the drummer i am i have to give some love to the drummers now there's not many songs about drummers there are a few And I could have gone with Drummer Man by Cowboy Mouth, which is a great song. But this one, this one is amazing. I'm going to have to go with Funky Drummer by James Brown. The single actually came out in 1970, but it never made it onto an album until 1986 when they did the compilation record In the Jungle Groove. Clyde Stubblefield lays down nine minutes and 31 seconds of an amazing solid groove that just does not quit. I could be wrong, but I think this is where the the record that James Brown initiates the phrase, give the drummer some. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) And at about five minutes and 25 seconds in, you get to one of the most sampled drum breaks of all time. It's really great because James Brown tells Clyde before the drum break, you don't have to do no soloing, brother. Just keep what you got. Don't turn it loose because it's a mother. (laughs) He knows how good his drummer is and he's just giving him some praise. So the drum break in this song was sampled by a lot of hip hop acts, including Public Enemy multiple times on Bring the Noise, Fight the Power, and Rebel Without a Pause. N.W.A. on... 
F the police. Not gonna tell you the real you can look it up. title to that song. Yeah. LL Cool J on Mama Said Knock You Out. Run DMC used it on Run's House and Beats to the Rhyme. De La Soul used it on The Magic Number. The Beastie Boys used it on Shadrack and 3MCs and 1DJ. And later, some pop musicians used it too, like Ed Sheeran on the song Shirt Sleeves and George Michael on Freedom 90. And here's the kicker. It's also the Powerpuff Girls theme song nice. from that cartoon show. I never picked that up. That's great. <laughs> Love that show. So, number one, the funky drummer. Interesting choice. Yeah. Well done. Got honorable mentions? You want to go first? Uh, I got yeah. lots. I got, you got lots. I, I kind of tried to narrow it down so that I wouldn't go, literally go on forever because See. you totally could. <laughs> um, like I said right before, my number one, Drummer Man by Cowboy Mouth. American Pie by Don McLean. Such an amazing song. Such a classic tune. It's about him being a musician, but also about the day that Richie Valens, the Big Bopper, and uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah. Passed away in the plane crash. Yeah. Sultan's a Swing by Dire Straits, which I was surprised was not on your list. Jukebox Hero by Foreigner. Rock and Roll Band by Boston. The song we've talked about before. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll by ACDC. We're an American Band by Grand Funk Railroad. Rock and Roll Star by Oasis. Great song. Faithfully by Journey. Piano Man, which you had on your list. Roll Over Beethoven by Chuck Berry, because man, Beethoven was a musician. <laughs> you can talk about him. Down on the Corner by Credence. Oh, one that one. one that I don't think a lot of people would pick up because it's an off cut on on this album on 5150 by Van Halen is Inside. It's kind of just a funny song about Sammy and the rest of the guys talking about how Sammy's taken over for David Lee Roth. And then there's one that I would have put on my list had it not been a country song because this is the Rock You podcast. Okay. Bob Wills is Still the King by Waylon Jennings. Interesting. Such a great song. Yeah, I don't know that one. I don't, I have to listen to that one. Um, I'm just looking up here. Is Rock and Roll Star by Oasis, is that a cover of the, you the know, song by the Birds? Or I the don't know. No, it's not. It it's not yeah. a cover no, of the song up, by the Birds. Be. Yeah. Because I I'll think it's their, it. their own song. Yeah. It seems to be. Yeah. 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 Well, most of your honorable mentions are also on my list, as a matter of fact. So, But I use my list to sort of break down the different styles of songs, or the different groupings of uh, subgenres, if you will, of songs about bands and musicians. One is a review of the history of music. So American Pie... Was your, yeah, was, uh, yeah, and uh, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder, which is just a litany of all the great musicians and all the great things about music. Sir Duke, use that for next episode Sir, too. Uh, yeah, you might hear that one in the all next right, episode. All right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> then there's the origin story. So you got okay. In Bloom by Nirvana about playing in basements and garages yeah. and kind of uh, taking the giving a hard time to the bros who were coming and singing along <laughs> to the songs but didn't know what they were about. 10th Avenue Freeze Out by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, which is basically just the history of the band. It even, yeah. it even brings it. Oh, here's where Clarence Clemens joined and here's all these uh, other things that happened. Summer of 69, which we've talked about, which is uh, the breakup of a young young band. Um, Salt and Kind. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Well, at least a I think bit. it's a little bit more about the other thing. <laughs> no, I know, but there's that whole there's that whole thing. It's like the band didn't work out. So um <laughs> Salt's a Swing, which you mentioned, which is about that feeling of like being relieved that there's other bands working out there and not doing any better than you are when you're a young band. 
Then you have the, uh, did I say origin story already? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the, that, but those are more history of the band, but the origin story songs, Johnny, be good, which you mentioned. Yep. Ziggy Stardust by David Bowie. Yep. Jukebox Hero, which you mentioned. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by yep. the Beatles. These are all story, stories about mythical figures, musicians. We talked about Have a Cigar in a previous episode. There's that whole other genre of the business of music. So Have a Cigar, Money for Nothing, about how, yep. by Dire Straits, about how musicians are regarded. And uh, an interesting one that I threw in here kind of as a, an oddball watching the wheels by John Lennon which is about the disapproval he faced when he stopped making music when he just wanted oh. to be a dad for a while yeah. didn't want to make any music and nobody could understand why he would stop doing that we've mentioned Dracula from Houston on a previous episode that's true yeah uh, about being Band on the Run by Wings yep. Traveling Band by Credence and another uh, sort of important subcategory is almost all hip-hop is about hip-hop and about being be, be in a band. Is, There's yeah. so many great examples. So you got Brass Monkey by Beastie Boys. You got Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. I Go to Work by Cool Modi. Unity by Shinehead. Pump Up the Jam by Technotronic. And that's just a like... A taste. That's, a, that's not even a taste. That's like you barely get to lick the envelope. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, and, but the actual thing is a refrigerator box package full of stuff. There's so yeah. many songs. Uh, just a few oddballs I'll throw out because you mentioned Roll Over Beethoven. Uh, two songs by Cake because I can't resist throwing in a good good Cake song. You gotta, you gotta have a Cake uh, song. Opera Singer and Commissioning a Symphony in C, which are both really interesting songs. I won't go into detail because it's honorable mentions, but really interesting songs about music that's not rock and roll. And yeah. one last one that in the genre of how hard it is to tour and be on the road, a, dark, a very, very dark song called Light of Fire by Mick Flannery about the the breakup of a band due to the really um, unhealthy lifestyle that they led on the road. And it's very dark. Very, very dark. So go listen to that one if you if you have the stomach for it. There's so many songs about bands and musicians, and this was just the tip of the iceberg. Not e- the tip of the tip of the iceberg for us. So, Not uh, even. It's just an ice cube. Send us, send us an email and tell us what you think your top five is, because we'd love to hear it. If you want to listen to the songs that we mentioned on this podcast in their entirety, there is a Spotify playlist that you can find in the show notes that has them all. Hey guys, we're back and we're going to do one of the easier segments for us because we're reading what you sent us. It's feedback. It's all the good things that you tell us via our email address, which is podcast at rock-u.fr. Gosh, Matt, you sound like a real radio DJ Maybe. when you say that. S- speaking of sounding like a real radio DJ, it's great if you write us an email, but it's, ooh, it's beer o'clock for Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Crack- Cracking open the Diet Coke <laughs> yeah, so there I can we keep go. going. It's even better if you send us a sound recording of your own voice saying what you want to say. So just record a voice memo on your phone and send it along. Email us that, and, and if I can engineer it well enough so it, doesn't ruin, so, it doesn't, so it doesn't ruin your voice recording, I can get it on the podcast. All right, we were going to just do the first two episodes of this season, but we had some stragglers that we wanted to get on from the prior season and from episode 11, which was our top five intros. We did feedback on that episode and the best city for launching rock bands, but this was about top five intros. So Mark from Houston says, I got Shaft before the guitar came in too, and I got Josie in the first two notes. This is great. (laughs) So glad you like that one, Mark. 
And then episode 14, one of our summer school episodes about the top five movie soundtracks. This quote's going to be a little rough for me because I don't know how to say Chagall Guevara. Maybe that's exactly right or not, but somebody can tell me if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That sounds like a take two bullet point for you. Yeah, exactly. Kelly from Nashville says, this is great. Side note, Chagall Guevara has a new album and just recently played here in Nashville. First time in like 20 plus years. And hell yes to your partner picking the big chill. Best soundtrack (laughs) and one of the best movies. So I knew that would be a popular choice. You got a thumbs up for that one. All right. So we're going to go to episode 15 now, which is top five weird instruments and can you get sued for a breakup song? And the one minute matchup was, are you going to pay for bands that are past their prime? What do you have for that one? Well, I got two comments uh, from uh, some people in the U.S. Rick, a.k.a. Mango, Mango, from Brooklyn, New York, was surprised, says no honorable mention for Zappa's music. Uh, at least Ruth <laughs> Underwood, Underwood on Xylophone. Well, I'll say a few things. Yeah, Zappa was an obvious miss for us. We totally should have yeah, Zappa. Yeah, we totally flashed I, on I didn't thing. know Ruth Underwood. I'd never heard of Ruth Underwood. And I would not have considered Xylophone weird enough to include in this episode. However, uh, Rick was kind enough to send, or to refer me to a video of Zappa. Got to be in the 50s or very early 60s. Like It was black and white TV and he was wearing a suit, looked like a normal person. Wow. Uh, on the Steve Allen show, playing Man. a bicycle. So he was making music out of the what? different parts of the bicycle. It was really cool. Was so, it percussive? or what All it? kinds of things. Okay. All different, different tones, different, per- different rhythms, different percussive sounds. I will include a link to that I gotta watch that in our show notes yeah Mango that was a big big whiff for us on the Zappa thing also I just throw this out Dr. Other Phil says great show as always I agree with your bucket list argument for past their prime bands but otherwise I'll pass I agree okay so for episode 15 one of my fraternity brothers from college Storm and Norman from Charlotte says I would have sworn that Big Country had bagpipes but apparently they just tune their guitars to sound like bagpipes. Good episode. He's right. They put it through some weird signal chain to make big country in the song, I think, is in a big country. And the bagpipe sound is actually guitars through some sort of distortion pedal chain that makes it sound like that. I'm pretty sure you said that in the episode. Did I? I think so. Maybe I did. I don't we'll know. We'll have to go back and listen. We'll to have to go and back and listen it to it. mention it in a future take, too. <laughs> okay, so Nick from Houston on Weird Instruments says, uh, In the bridge of Breaking the Girl by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they're banging on old scrap metal. Yeah, which that fits. It does fit, and yeah. I, I just I didn't know that. Me so. Neither. Peggy from Paris says, my entry for car horns would have been No Parking on the Dance Floor by Midnight Star. Nice. I am not familiar with that song, but I'm going to have to go listen to it. And she said, for sophisticated palates only, some sarcasm intended. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, as a more general comment, Catherine from Houston says, Mark and I listened to episode 15 on our way out to a fundraiser last night and really enjoyed it. We were thrilled with the stepping out shout out. That was was my buddy mark that was playing his daughter's xylophone in the the joe jackson stepping out cool. song all right so what do you do you have anything for episode 16 i have a bunch of things for episode 16 awesome right. so uncle hiram checks in thank you uncle hiram for listening and giving us your feedback he says hey matt and seth this is uh, by the way our spooky songs episode yeah but also what else do we do in accidental basis bass and should bands that lost right. a key member right, continue right, right, right. on was the one minute matchup well uh hiram stuck to the spooky part he says hey matt and seth very interesting episode a good dive into a subject that i never gave any serious thought to but he corrects us he says she's not there by the zombies was always simply believed by my generation current to the song to be about a girl who ditched her boyfriend and is totally avoiding him 
and not letting him see or talk to her. Interesting take. I will okay. have to go investigate. I've always found that song very creepy, but that's the way art works. Uh, <laughs> Touch the nerve in me that maybe was not intended. Uh, he also points out another obvious miss. He says, lastly, you didn't touch on the teenager death songs popular in the late 50s and early 60s. Oh, yeah, like Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve, Leader of the Pack, Tell Laura, I Love Her, or just to name three, he says. But the big miss that surprised me, and he's totally right, Down by the River by Neil Young, who as a songwriter practically lives deep down in the darkest abyss. Keep on trucking, guys. Good work. Can't wait for the next one. How yeah, did we miss that one? Is, is, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. And it goes with the murder ballad, and it goes with the creepy, ambiguous narrator, and a whole bunch of other stuff, so that was, should have been on our list. That should have been on your list for sure. Yeah, for my list for sure, exactly. Yeah. I also got an email from Hallie from Chicago, who happens to be my mom. Uh <laughs> Hallie happens says, to be your mom. <laughs> happens to be my mom. Hallie says, Matt and Seth, this spooky song podcast was the best ever. It was as full of treats Aww. as the old mixing bowl my mother had me dump my Halloween haul into after an evening of trick-or-treating in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Thanks, Mom. Matt, I love the mini lecture on the tritone. While the Catholic Church never actually banned it, its use was strongly discouraged because its dissonance to Western ears was considered inappropriate for ecclesiastical music. Yeah. Uh, and then she tests a comment for you. She says, Seth, I loved all the background information about Thriller. I have never heard a greyhound howl, but for a while we rented a cabin <laughs> to a guy with a hound. It would start its bone-chilling howl the minute I set foot on the base of the steep hill hundreds of yards away. I can only imagine the fear it struck in the hearts of escaping prisoners when they heard that sound closing in on their heels. Keep up the good work, guys. And she <laughs> goes on to say that she uh, actually was intending to watch the Simpsons episode I referred to about how oh. easy bass is to learn. Covercraft. <laughs> Season 26, <laughs> I forget what it is. I got one, uh, a couple more actually. Okay. If I can continue. Uh, this is an email from Jack. Hello, Jack. Thanks for listening. It says, hey, Matt and Seth, I love your podcast and learned so much. I didn't I didn't know even for a guy born in 64. Ha ha. Jack, we're right there with you. Yep. Um, Jack points out an obvious miss. Uh, he, he, he gives a couple other great suggestions too, but I'm going to mention the one that in hindsight, oh my God, how did we miss this one? Riders on the Storm by the Doors. Oh, his yeah. brain. There's a killer on the road. His brain is squirming like a toad. Yeah. How did we not? How did I not think of that one? How did I, neither yeah. of us thought yeah. of that one? He also, since you did a throwback to season one, he also has. Okay. A, he says, "Okay, and this is a throwback comment. I can't believe for top intros you didn't even mention Money for Nothing. Yeah, duh. Yeah. Did we, did we actually not mention it? I don't. I don't think we did. We. I don't think we just did because either. that. Uh, yeah, that's just a classic intro. And he says, "Thanks for your entertaining commentary. Thank you, Jack, for your email." Bruce from Connecticut says, uh, "Suggest two songs: Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana, which I don't really think of as creepy. I think of it as very sad." Yeah, um, I think it was a sad and song. Sober too. by Tool, which I hadn't listened to. It is pretty creepy. I listened to. It I haven't listened before. to that yet either, but. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. And Dr. Other Phil is back saying the entire album of Pat Boone doing heavy metal covers was pretty spooky. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. And maybe not intentionally so. <laughs> uh, I've got one. Uh, my buddy Nick from Houston, he's like, spooky songs you missed. Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. Yeah, that was a whiff. Yeah, I don't know that one. I don't know this one. The Black Angel's Death Song by Velvet Underground. I'm going to have to look that up. Me too. And Down by the Water by P.J. Harvey. I love P.J. Harvey. I'm not off the top of my head familiar with that song. Me either. So I'll have to listen to that one too. And here's a comment pointed towards you. He said, I always considered Cake's Jolene a love song sung about a girl from an abusive family. And the get down part at the end is just John McRae telling the band to stretch and rock the hell out. Once again, <laughs> art hits different people different ways. 
ways, I I have no idea. I don't think they've ever talked about what they were doing in that song. Yeah. Well, so. it's interpretive he may music. Be, he may be right. I but was going to say interpretive dance, yeah, but that's no, not that's correct. Not right. <laughs> he may be right, but uh, I, I, I still think there's a reason they chose the name Jolene to title the song. Yeah. It's pretty well-known. Dolly Parton's version oh, yeah, yeah, song yeah. is pretty well-known. When you say Jolene, yeah. you think of the song, unless yeah. you're related to somebody named Jolene, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So was there something on this podcast that you wanted to talk to us about? Did we get something wrong? Do you not agree with some of the stuff that we said? Then you need to email us at podcast at rock-u.fr. All right, Rockers, we're back. It's time for the one-minute matchup. 60 seconds of intellectual amazement <laughs> dropped on you by me and Matt. Or actually, you're probably going to be like, gosh, I wonder what those guys were thinking. Our question for this episode is, should an artist's personal life matter when you're evaluating their art? We've had some, some recent interesting stuff going on in the news with, let's say, Kanye West, or Ye, as he's or now ye, called. Or Ye, Ye? Ye, I confirmed with oh, that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there there have been multiple instances of artists that have done things like Kanye West, or Kelly, uh, two I can think of off the top of oh, my head, a, but multiple, multiple others. Well, that's why I'm wearing my Eric Clapton shirt. Eric Clapton has had a, a history of, well, let's see, he had a, a long ago, he had a history of uh, pretty bad addiction and not not a great family life, and then more recently, right. a history of racist outbursts, So yeah, uh, which he's sometimes apologized for and other times denied. So Yeah, people are questionable. <laughs> we'll have to see what we, how we come down on this one. All I right. think you want me to go first, right? You want to go first? Here's the stopwatch. Right. The stopwatch. So your minute starts... Now, oh, oh, well, you want to start? Okay, yeah. Here, hit me, hey, hit me hold again, on, hit me again. hold on, hold on. Reset. There you go. Too many thumbs on the phone. It's I not lost working. Four, Forty-eight hundredths of a second there. I can't afford. To no, lose. no, no. You got to have the entire minute. <laughs> I'm not going to shortchange you that that fraction of a second. All Thank right. you. Your minute starts now. Okay. Uh, it's a nuanced answer. First of all, let me be clear that how you spend your money, if you want to support or not support an artist based on their, their personal life, that's your business, and I com- would completely support that. Second of all, when the artist's life affects the art, I don't think there's any question, of course, if the art itself is objectionable. However, let's deal with the rest. Let's deal with people, who artists whose personal lives are questionable, their beliefs are questionable, their views, their, even their actions personally, but that is not reflected in the art. Uh, I say no. I'd say if you, you imagine a wor- imagine a world where that you hear that same mu- that same piece of music, but you don't know about the incident. You got to judge the art independently. And I would also say that w- we've lost a lot of nuance in our culture now, in our society now. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to condemn an entire person based on something that is a, a, a deep flaw. And we shouldn't do that. People are flawed. Everyone probably has something that, if you really knew about it, you could object to. No, I think art should be evaluated on its own. Pretty good, dude. You came in Under and a just minute one, right? A minute two? Yeah, you were right at a minute. Right, I think I was. It. I was a little slow hitting I'll the stop it. button. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> well, tell me when you're ready. Okay. Here we go. Here comes the clock. Here's, here comes my thumb hitting the button. Ready? One, okay. two, three, go. All right. So, evaluation can be done collectively and individually. Collectively, people can say that something's a masterpiece, but individually, I might think that it stinks, and vice versa. 
So uh, I had an English professor who hated Chaucer, even though uh, the guy who wrote the Canterbury Tales. Everybody thinks that he's up there with Shakespeare, a titan of English literature. But he hated him and fully admitted that everybody else thought that Chaucer was a genius. So as far as individual evaluation goes, I think there's two questions to ask. One, what do I think of it purely as art? And two, do I want to support that person's art? And I try to do it in that order. So should an artist's personal life matter in evaluating their art? No, unless, like you said, it affects the art. But should it matter if you support that art or buying it? And I think that's where you voice your opinion on personal matters without regard to the art itself. Now, whether you like the art or not, that's up to you. Then I'm going to stop right there. Oh, you were under just under a minute there. Yeah. You, you caught me by surprise. I didn't realize you were wrapping up. <laughs> all right, well done. Well, I think we kind of came down on the same side and same, yeah. all the same sides of that issue. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a nuanced issue. But, you know, whether the art's good or not, the art should be able to stand on its own. And if you don't like it because of the person's whatever ideas that you disagree with, if a song has said something that offended you. But that's and, not- and you are saying that I don't like that song because it offends me. That's okay, yeah. You know, um, of course. And that's your that's your evaluation of that art, regardless of of what that person's all about or or how that all works. I also think you're right. I think that if you're going to judge one person on one action or one thing that they screwed up on in their life. All of us have done that. And, you know, a little forgiveness goes a long way. Yeah, but I mean, you make the key distinction. If it's the, if it's the art itself that, that, is, that is objectionable or problematic, that's, there's no question here. Yeah. But if the art itself is okay or even great and the artist is problematic or objectionable in a way that is not related to the art, I think you gotta, you got to see the art as, as a something that was created by a flawed person. Yeah, and it can still be amazing. I think we're on the same spot on that. We gave the lawyer answer. Yes. It depends. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> I've taught you well. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're going to rock your face off, Matt. Tell them all about it. That's right, Seth. The Rock You Fall concert is coming up Sunday, the 11th of December at La Boule Noire. All the details are on our website, www.rock-u.fr. Come check it out free and open to the public and see 18 incredible student bands rocking their faces off. This episode of Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble Records is your one-stop shop for music production in Paris. Everything from the creative side to the technical side to the business side. You can check out what they do at www.bigpebblerecords.com. And of course, you'll hear a lot of Rock You artists on that label. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinckley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>